Hey, Hope Church family, thank you so much for allowing me to bring uh, the word to you this evening. I just, I just love unpacking God's uh, truth and God's grace with you. We are wrapping up this, this beatitude section of Matthew chapter 5, and so I'm going to be looking at peacemakers and, and those who are persecuted. I'm going to tell you right now, I've had a, a love-hate relationship with this passage. On the one hand, I'm like, let's go! Let's get that title of peacemakers. On, on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, I'm not ready yet. But tonight, we're just gonna, we're gonna jump in and see how God's grace and truth, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, just leads us to that title of peacemaker. So I hope you're excited. Matthew chapter five, I'm gonna read verses one through 12, and then I'm gonna bring in James chapter uh, one, about 10 verses, all right? So Matthew 5, 1 through 12, and then James chapter 1, it'll be verses 2 through 12, all right? Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 12. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life and the Lord uh, has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the word of God. As I was studying uh, the word peacemakers and, and really just 
trying to grasp the concept in the original language, right? Greek. It, it, there were literally just layers of what that word uh, peace meant, to make peace. And so I, I came up with this, this technical peacemaking definition, all right? So you know what it is. So peacemaking is to be exempt from the rage and war on another so that people can experience security, safety, and prosperity, which leads to the tranquil state of a soul, the peace of Jesus. So salvation. That was a huge definition. And so what I did is I distilled it a little more. And this is the definition in one aspect of peacemaking that we're going to unpack today. And it's this. Peacemakers are idle fighters for the purpose of bearing fruit through perseverance. Right? Peacemakers are idle fighters for the purpose of bearing fruit through perseverance. And so here's this, this small allegory, small summarized allegory. And, and what I'm finding just, just in my life and, and kind of working and even conversations with Rob, it's the biggest idols in our lives are the ones we can't or won't come face to face with. And, and usually it's because of their just sheer size and stature. So what we do naturally is arrange the compartmentalized room in our lives around them. Smaller idols we can move and, and throw to the side, and sometimes it's a tag team with God to deal with. Others we manage on our own strength and kind of just, you know, kick them around. But what tells me, at least what I found true in my life, is usually that means I'm going to pick it up and just place it somewhere else when really God's trying to get rid of these things and we just end up hoarding them for ourselves. In our own rebellion and strength, it's easy to look over into a neighbor's house, right, into a neighbor's yard and kind of just see the monstrosity of an idol or sin in their life and at a distance yell, hey, what's that hideous thing? While we're over here kind of looking around the foot of our own idol in our lives. But here's where peacemaking comes in. And, and honestly, I think it's a little bit threefold, right? It, it's layered. Peacemakers, when they're in the zone, they say, I'm willing to hold the line of truth and grace in order to bring down these monstrous idols in my life by the Lord's strength. But then they take it a step further as the Holy Spirit is removing idols in our lives to see God better. They then call others to join in that work. That's what we call discipleship and accountability. Peacemakers secondly say they, they go out because of that work and they, they go out to tell others and show others by way of relationships of the work in their lives. Hey, I'm, I'm in remodel mode. Can I serve you? Can I help you? What happens, though, is that others begin to say, oh, so you think you're better than us now because there's more sunlight entering your house. And now you're producing some good fruit in the garden of your life. That monstera is just beautiful, right? So attention arises. Peacemakers are in the habit of cleansing their houses, their hearts and minds so that 
only God rules and reigns, but by nature of that job and of that work, others are affected and will take notice. There may be some conviction, especially if they've been benefiting at someone else's expense. And then thirdly, it's this area that peacemakers will use their lassos of truth, if you will, to tear down idols and obstacles stacked up and left for others to bear, to stub their toes on, if you will. What happens is peacemakers end up rocking people's world as they bring down idols and systems because as they fall, they cause tremors and disturbances, right? No longer is there shade and dark places to hide junk behind, especially at someone else's expense. Peacemakers kick up dust. Things get messy. So again, our definition, peacemakers and peacemaking is idle destruction for bearing fruit. I benefit. You benefit. The community benefits and God is glorified. So this, this position then of, of peacemaker, right? We can only gain this position of peacemaker through what the scripture says, a pure heart. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in us and built on the foundation of the previous eight verses. Everything we've been studying through in the Beatitudes. So the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, so the Holy Spirit begins to build into us Christ's likeness as he removes the idols and the filters of life that diminish the radiance of God, the obstacles that keep us from the cross of Christ. A pure heart allows us to lead, manage tensions, even take the hits for others. I'll go back to that technical definition. It's to be exempt from the rage and war on another so that people can experience security, safety, and prosperity, which leads to the tranquil state of a soul, the peace of Jesus, salvation, treasures in heaven, not on earth. As Pastor Carlos Rodriguez states, a Puerto Rican brother, by the way, he says, Jesus was not crucified, so ourselves become the crucifiers. Jesus did not experience abuse, so the church would be an abusive factory. Jesus did not die at the hands of the Roman Empire so that Christians would follow the ways of power. Jesus did not give his life for the rejected so that believers would be famous for rejecting. No, we are being worked on becoming peacemakers by a pure heart, a compassion and love of heaven, namely Jesus. So happy are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. This position, I will argue, is a title given to those in the process and working out of the other Beatitudes. It's a title that I believe is given directly by God himself to us. 
You and I have attained the status of children of God or child of God because we are pulling down the kingdom of heaven to earth by our acts of service, our tearing down of strongholds, our protecting and building into other people. And I know it's a title only given by God because of verse 10. So look at that with me. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. That's good deeds. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so we come to understand that society isn't going to like or appreciate the work we as peacemakers are doing. And so even though it may be good work, society and the community has a problem with it and with us because as a peacemaker, you should have left things as a status quo. Really what they're saying is, don't mess with my comfortability. Yet here you and I are causing a ruckus. And some might say, hey, I thought you were one of us. But see, at some point, we're no longer walking parallel, but diverge at the cross because we submit all things to Christ. Some might even say you're causing a division, right? You're, you'll be called out by believers and scriptures may be used against the work you are doing because it seems to be in disarray. But here's the thing. If we are following the Beatitudes, and allowing them to work in us and through us, there is no chaos, but an order of deconstruction and destruction so that better fruit is born. And better fruit is possible. God is glorified. The scriptures actually call it pruning. There's a cutting away. So back to verse 10. As you do good, right, your righteousness, which are kingdom business doings, you will experience persecution. It's a given. The scriptures say it. See, the religious leaders, the teachers, the know-it-alls in Jesus' day missed it because not only were they not doing good, but their idols were too big to see the work that God was doing. Jesus said, be happy when you do the work of righteousness. You are blessed. Verses 9 and 10 of Matthew 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Honestly, it's a, it's a quick transition from being called and receiving the title child of God and then being persecuted. It's taken in honor, but it's never used in pride. Remember, blessed are the meek. So a little word on righteousness and doing good. Our good acts must be attributed to a rejuvenated and transformed life by the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. Our good acts, right, the righteousness, the righteous deeds, must be attributed to a rejuvenated and transformed life by the Holy Spirit because of Jesus to the glory of the Father. So these acts 
or the fruit of the Spirit that we read in Galatians 5.22 mirrors the character and conduct of Jesus. What we do when following and filtering our life in God's word will and can upset friends and family because it, it checks our human morality and actions. And nobody likes that. It's starkly different from an easygoing, coasting faith. It's no longer uh, looks like mainstream Christianity. So that's why Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I tell you. Enough with Bible knowledge and no impact. Bible knowledge and no action. Bible knowledge and no distinction in service. Peacemakers ask themselves then this question. Is there anything in my conduct that reveals Christ's righteousness? See, like petals on a flower, the Beatitudes draw in the gaze with meekness, mercy, and compassion, tenderness, and the like. Once they capture your attention, you lean into its center at what keeps this beauty in place. It's peacemaking. And now the world can smell the aroma of Christ on us. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. 2 Corinthians 2. We get to pull down and put principles of heaven into practice. See, at some point, our politics won't match up. Our giving won't match up. Serving won't match up. Sacrificial living won't match up. Convenience won't match up. Standing up for another won't match up to this worlds and our society's standards and everyone will know there is something different even even annoying about us because we literally smell different from them because our conduct and character is that of Jesus we have been with Jesus So again, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I had a buddy once ask me, Will, why can't you just leave things alone? Why can't Christians just let things be? And it's because Jesus destroys idols for better fruit bearing to the glory of God. It's not my likes or preferences. It's about what Jesus wants and prefers. We are called Christians not because of religion or a political party, but because we are Christ-like. We aren't forced into systems and ideologies of humanity, but expose the evil of the world. 
a need for Jesus's salvation and a Jesus mindset, redeeming all and placing everything at the foot of the cross because peacemakers hold the line of truth and grace in order to bring down idols for better fruit bearing to the glory of God. And it starts within our personal lives. Here's an interesting note. The first 10 verses that Jesus uh, spoke uses the pronouns of there and they, signifying the presence of the other, right? What others ought to do. There's a distinction in how the other lives. But then here in verse 11, he specify who these outside kingdom-minded people are. And then he says, you are them. It's you and me. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of who? Me, Jesus. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I was reading a couple commentators, and according to, to Boyce and, and Dr. Lloyd-Jones on, on this passage, they say this, persecution about which Jesus spoke is not persecution evoked by following a cause. Now, that kind of caught me off guard because if you know anything about me, I love a good cause, right? I'm going to get behind it. But what does it mean to be persecuted for righteousness sake? He says, simply put, it means to be persecuted for being like the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said that those who are persecuted for being like him will be happy and what is more, those who are like him will always be persecuted. Okay. So it may be that there is a cause for which we are fighting, but it is our conduct that makes us different all the more. When we are insulted, persecuted, and falsely lied about, or said all kinds of evil against you because of Jesus, Make sure that it is because of Jesus and that we are not co-signing our own feelings and comfort to keep the status quo. Jesus ends with how to keep that fire lit in verse 12. He says this, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Persecution of the smallest state or insults to the largest, martyrdom is a marker that we are united with Jesus. We can rest and be happy because character building and conduct change within us is proof that the Holy Spirit is at work and we are submitting to that transformation. Blessed are they who are persecuted because by God's grace, you are determined to live as Jesus lived. Jesus challenges everything within us 
and outside of us. And I love this piece in John 15 and 19. He says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Not just disagrees, but comes to the point of hate. The Holy Spirit is turning us from our sins and our sinful ways to the way of Christ, molding us into Jesus's sinless image. The question is, how do we become peacemakers, idol destroyers, so that fruit bearing to the glory of God occurs? James tells us the secret. He says that it's praying for wisdom. See, I always thought that this verse was a verse for like all kinds of wisdom, and it could be, but this verse is found in the middle of his discourse on persecution and perseverance. Wisdom, he says, he says, pray for this wisdom, wisdom in how to act and interact with this world, to use its resources, its structures, the pain of insults and persecution to the glory of God as we bear fruit. Lord, this is the situation I'm in. Help me to understand how to fight through it because of righteousness and for your namesake. Over in, in verse 4 of chapter 1, James says this. He says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That, that's encapsulated in the, word, in the word perfect. That's what it means to be perfect, to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. And then in chapter three of James, verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness in your own life, in the lives of others, in the lives of the community. Not everyone is gonna like it, that's not the point. The point is to bear fruit to the glory of God. May we find ourselves in the position of persecution for righteousness and ask for wisdom. I'll end with this short story. There was a man that came to Tertullian. Tertullian is like a first century guy from like 155 AD, a church father, writer, stuff like that. Anyway, so a guy came to him with a problem that I feel like you and I face today, right? His business interests had been conflicting with his loyalty to Jesus Christ. So he told Tertullian of the problem and ended by saying, what can I do? I must live. And Tertullian stepped back and answered, must you? See, even in Tertullian's day, the believer's choice between righteousness and livelihood was to be righteous. Let's go back to the four points I laid out. Peacemakers are idle fighters for the purpose of bearing fruit through perseverance. 
Our good acts must be attributed to a rejuvenated and transformed life by the Holy Spirit. This is not just charitable gifts or doing good things to do good things. Anybody can do that. There's got to be a distinction. And the distinction is a rejuvenated and transformed life by the Holy Spirit. Three is just asking ourselves this question. Is there anything in my conduct that reveals Christ's righteousness? And then four, ask for wisdom in the middle of our trials. And it sounds like a crazy prayer, but Lord, maybe we got to call on some trials. Perseverance. Because in it, he says, we're going to get a reward in heaven. And I'm like, that's probably better than any reward I could get now. So like, let's do it. Hence the love-hate relationship I said in the beginning. I'm like, let's go peacemakers, but also like, I got got stuff to do. I got some work to do. But also, do I really want that persecution and insults? I know it ends up being about me, not about Jesus, but God knows. He's working on me, y'all. I hope he's working on you. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father God, Lord Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, make me like you. Please make me like you. You were a servant, make me one too. Lord, I am willing, do what you must do to make me like you, Lord. Please make me like you. Amen.